You know how you feel after you've had an encounter with a narcissist or after that borderline personality disordered person has just pounced all over you or you have been the butt of one of your bipolar friends or family members or co-parents drama. And have you ever wondered while they're attacking you, while they are impeding on your boundaries, do they hurt? Like, do they know how much they are hurting you? Do they even care? And even further, have you wondered if what you say back to them when you decide to engage, does that really hurt them? Does that cut them? Do they feel it? Well, today we're going to be talking all about that. Stay tuned as Dr. Glenna joins I Know I'm Crazy and dishes on how exactly to handle that high conflict personality in your life. I know I'm crazy. I know I'm crazy. I know I know I'm crazy. Dr. Glenna responded to a post that I put up a few weeks ago and we were talking about Kanye and his, I feel like this will always be evergreen content because Kanye is always doing something. We were speaking on Kanye and his emotional rant. And I was like, you know what guys, you know, we're kind of seeing what, and he's been diagnosed with bipolar. We're kind of seeing one example of what bipolar can look like from someone that we don't know, we kind of feel like we know him. He's a celebrity, you know, like we, we know a few things about his life, but it's starting to mirror some of the behaviors that we've experienced from people, maybe in our own families, maybe some of us in ourselves and our children and our coworkers, our co-parents, step-parents. Dr. Glenna made such a prolific statement about that because you all know, one of my favorite things to talk about is disordered personalities because a lot of us have to deal with them in some way, indirectly or directly, and mental illnesses. And why not have an expert on the topic to come here? In fact, Dr. Glenna is an expert at, also an expert at helping people recover from narcissistic abuse. So I'm going to share all of her information at the end so that you can get in touch with her. I highly suggest you sit down with her if, if possible. Dr. Glenna, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Where are you in the world right now? Hello, my friend. You know, I am in Southern California. My office is in Torrance, California. And yes, I am so glad to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much. So I want to hop right into it. I want to talk about all the mental illnesses that we can. Here lately, the past few weeks on the podcast, I have been sharing, I've been a little bit more transparent about some of my own personal experiences because I always teach my clients not to engage with toxic personalities because when you engage, when you go there, you have that kind of dirty, icky feeling afterwards. And now you got to go through the process of forgiving yourself. But you explained bipolar in a way that I had not heard before when we were talking on that Facebook post, remember? Mm -hmm. Okay. So can you just kind of break it down how you broke it down for us that day? on what bipolar means and do them like do they know what they're doing when they have these attacks against us i don't really want to talk to the bipolar or the, the people with the um ailments disorders today i want to talk to the people that are affected by though those that have disorders so when they attack us do they know what they're doing do they mean to do this so yes and no so in the facebook post the example that i gave was um imagine like like those 60 foot robots and there's a person on the inside of the robot mm -hmm. this is like when a person is having a manic episode it's almost like the robot has taken over and so there is depending on where the person is in their 
awareness of their disorder, how long have they been in treatment or, you know, do, what do they know about it? Um, then there's usually more of an awareness, but it's usually a person where they're conscious that they shouldn't do this, but the impulse control, um, it just takes over and they have terrible impulse control and they just all of a sudden become this giant robot that they can't manage. So they mm. can see it happening. They can feel it happening. They can know I probably shouldn't do this, but they don't have the wherewithal to stop themselves from doing the irrational activity. Why? Why do they not have the, why can they not say, don't do that. Don't say that. Don't go there. Why? That is the very, that is literally the very nature of the illness. So when a person is having a manic episode, they have a lot of different symptoms. They have pressured speech. They often believe that uh, by grandiose thinking, they believe they're more important than what they are. And again, that poor impulse control. So sometimes you'll have somebody that will go to a bar and sleep with men or spend their entire paycheck in a day. That is the very nature of the illness. And so to say, how come they can't? Well, that would be like, well, if they did not have this disorder, then they could. What's the roots of the disorder? I mean, we all, you know, pretty much read, and I'm sure you would know better than anybody. A lot of this stuff takes root in childhood. Um, but I know it's a general question, but how can a person come to be disordered by way of bipolar or borderline or narcissism? I know they're all three different things. Mm -hmm. So okay. with some disorders, with some disorders, it's just organic and some things it's um, like situational. Like for example, PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder is an emotional response to trauma. So that's the only one where it's actually, it's your response to something that happens that creates the disorder. Mm -hmm. um, depression is one where it could be hormonal right? Like your hormone levels could just be off. Your body is just not creating enough, I believe, serotonin. Um, don't quote because now we're getting into like the, the science of it. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but yeah, it just, it's basically, it could just be organic, meaning it doesn't matter how great your childhood was or how terrible, like if you just experience it, you experience it. Every single person on the planet has a predisposition towards something. Mm. Everybody does. So some people are more sensitive to trauma. Some people are more sensitive to anxiety. Um, everybody, like I know I've experienced when I get extremely tired, all of a sudden I'll see things out of the corner of my eye, yeah. right? So technically I'm having an audio, I mean a visual hallucination by mm -hmm. definition. I just, I'm not psychotic. I don't have a um, psychotic disorder. And right. so, you know, what happens is everybody, since you have a predisposition towards these disorders, there are things that can happen to trigger. So oftentimes it's trauma very often it's trauma there's times where it's not trauma and that's when we know it's purely it's just organic um for example i had a client years ago that came from a, a very warm and loving family and was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia like it was not related to trauma in any way it was just organic and just a naturally occurring thing in this person exactly. okay exactly so when we get mad at these people um because i you know one of my favorite books when i started experiencing a level of toxicity in my own life that I'd never experienced before. The first thing I wanted to do is understand why are you doing this to me? Why are you saying this? I've done nothing. I'm a good person. Everybody's right. not just BFF. Um, <laughs> you know, like, I started reading books like Stop Walking on Eggshells, which gave a kind of roundabout breakdown of borderline personality disorder. How can you not get pissed off at these people though? Like, how are you supposed to act if you are on the receiving end of a rant or an attack or something like that? You mean like a physical attack? No, not a physical attack. Cause then we call in the popos and somebody getting hurt. I mean like an emotional attack. It depends. 
it depends. It depends on how well you know the person. It depends mm -hmm. on how much knowledge you have of the subject. Like you said, you started reading books and you made yourself aware and you were able to see it objectively. Yes. You stopped seeing it as this person is coming for me and you started to see yourself as this person will come for anybody. It's not about me as an individual. They're not attacking Glenna because they don't like Glenna. They're just attacking the person that's in front of them. They're just attacking the person that's in front of them. They're just attacking the person that's in front of them. So when you get you get knowledge and you start to have an understanding of like, okay, like, you know, if you, if you had a baby in your arms and the baby was screaming and, and flinging their arms, you wouldn't be like, why is this baby attacking me? You'd be like, well, this is how babies communicate. Yes. Like you would see it for what it was and you would have an understanding based on your understanding of babies and children and what they do. But if you didn't have an understanding of babies, you'd be like, something's wrong with this thing. Why are they yeah. acting like this? Yeah. So when you look at it from an educational perspective, then it, then it does make sense. And then as far as like, how far you go with that, it really just depends. Like I always tell people if I'm, when I'm working in a, I used to work in, in a, a clinic where we treated people that were severely and chronically mentally ill. Naturally, mm. my tolerance was much higher for anything that happened in the clinic. Anything, like a, like you know, a personal attack against you if they said something to you. Yeah, or, yeah. Yes. Okay. I have, I've had clients lie to my boss. Um, we had a client once that threw chairs. Like I had one of my own clients that was just, she was just having a, a breakdown in the kitchen. And, and so naturally, I have to go in the kitchen and go get my client before she, you know, picks up something or throws something. But I have a higher tolerance in that setting, right? right because right. in that setting, I was a clinician. When I'm out on the street and I see something, I move around. I'm not about to get brought in. <laughs> you, move, you say, move around, right. baby. Let me stay away from move that around. over there. <laughs> no, but that's, I mean, again, it has, this is what I'm saying. It has to do with what is your understanding of the person? What do you know about the person, their symptomology? What are they going through? What are their triggers? If you understand what's going on, you may have a higher tolerance. You may choose to lean in, offer some support. If you don't, then fall back. Because you, you don't know... Um, you don't know the extent that they'll go. You don't know their symptom presentation. You mm. don't know. Symptom presentation. Know. That's layman mm -hmm. terms for honey. You don't know what they're going to do or say or how they're going to act out. Exactly. How does, um, what are you more comfortable talking about? Borderline, um, bipolar, or narcissism, or all three? Well, I live in, in, in narcissism land. Yeah, <laughs> um, is, I think okay. So I think narcissism lately has become uh, like almost a, a colloquial term. Like people use oh empaths and narcissism all the time. So there's one bipolar is. Very and first of all, let me just say something, baby girl. Who, are, who you listen to this, girl? You're probably not an empath, and and your ex is probably <laughs> not a narcissist. Okay, you just let me. Well, I'm telling you right now. I see every Instagram poster like. The empathic side of me. I'm like, girl, your ass is just not able to set boundaries. You're not an empath. That's it. Like, you're okay. not an empath. You don't anyway, feel everything. Sorry to interrupt you, Dr. Glenna. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but it's true. Like, it's like you're not an empath. You don't know anxiety from empathy. So back up. Like, it, yes. it's true. Yes. So, okay. And then bipolar is also misunderstood because I'll hear people say, oh, I got... Um, she have a mood swing. She's bipolar. It's like, you don't know the transition from one mood to the next. So you, it's not bipolar. And then the other one is multiple personalities means I'm schizophrenic. Like people's understanding of things is so warped. But borderline is one that a lot of people haven't heard of or they're not always um, familiar with. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, borderline was just like, it, it just fascinated me because um, like I said, from a personal experience, you know, when, you, when something starts to happen to you, you want to start to deduce it and understand it. And then you go to the resources, even if some of them are just surface resources, 
you know, clearly I didn't, I didn't, didn't take, um, I bought the DSM. Like, you know, I just did stuff like that. You know, things that you oh. have studied in real life. And I was like, Wait, oh God. Hold, yeah. Hold, hold on guys. Hold on guys. Don't buy the DSM guys. Don't, <laughs> don't buy y'all. Don't. Dr. Glenna says don't buy it. My butt went and bought it. And then I scared the bejesus out of myself. Exactly. I started diagnosing myself. I was like, wait a exactly. minute, Naja. This is minute. why I tell people, <laughs> do not buy the DSM. Yes. Don't, it's not a book that you can just read. It gives very general criteria. And then those of us, like, that's, our, that's where we live. Like, right. we know that's your all Bible. The, you know, that's exactly. like, you've been taught but that thing. That Bible is bullet points. It doesn't give explanations. Like, yeah. so don't buy the DSM. Yeah, don't. Okay, don't buy the, thank you for, uh, you know. Guys. I'm, I'm gonna, but do educate yourself. Educate so, yes. yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, borderline, like you said, is one of those things that's kind of tricky because I would say like, borderlines are the ones that seem like they have a bit of normalcy and people will probably call them, oh, that's just a crazy girl. Oh, she just slashed my tires because she was mad today, but she loves me so much. Or he will... First of all, who's more prone to being borderline, men or women? I can't even, I would have to do the, the research. I can't even give you numbers on that. I would okay. have to look at, because it, it's not, it's not that cut and dry. But okay. and just to, just to clarify, because I promise you, there's somebody right now listening to this saying, what is borderline? Like, what are, are yes. they going to Borderline, first of all, let me back it up. There's different types of disorders. There's disorders typically diagnosed in childhood, eating disorders, psychotic disorders, mood disorders, and personality disorders. More than that, but those are just a couple personality disorders i believe there's nine personality disorders are ingrained in a person's personality to the point where they are not aware that they are even experiencing symptoms they're difficult to catch difficult to treat because the person doesn't see themselves as doing anything wrong so for example God, if you have a person yeah if you have a person that is depressed they can tell because they can remember a day where they weren't as depressed or they're like i'm crying all the time lower interest in pleasurable activities. It's, there's mark, markers that will tell you I am depressed. Personality disorders, it's literally a part of the person's personality. And they are so unaware of it that when someone tries to correct them, they're not open to it. For example, I treat victims of narcissism. I've had clients where they say, can I bring my partner in? Maybe you can talk to him. Maybe you can talk to her. The answer is absolutely not. Mm. Because a narcissist is not aware that they are narcissistic and they will try to use me to weaponize themselves, weaponize me against my client. And they're not interested in treatment. They don't self-reflect. So just to give some context in terms of why like borderline personality disorder um, is difficult to catch and difficult to treat, it's treatable, but it's difficult to treat because oftentimes the person is not looking for help. So one of the key markers in understanding it is they have a fragmented sense of self and they have... Um, difficulty with like rejection that's that's kind of one of the telltale signs so okay. either they they love you love you love you and if anything makes them feel rejected then they flip um and they don't have the ability to kind of synthesize one whole person right so okay. either if you do something bad you're the worst thing ever in life i can't believe you would do that how could you reject me how could you treat me that way okay. they don't have the ability to be able to say you hurt me but i still love you and i can understand that you know you're I can not all bad. Part of you. You're not all bad. So it's like they a, don't have the ability to things. Either you're all bad or you're all good. Right. How does the all bad person go back to being good for them though? Or are they just like, once you do one bad thing, are you just bad forever? No, not necessarily. Um, it's, it's, they feel threatened. And if something can make them feel comforted, then sometimes then they can calm back down. 
Um, but oftentimes they can be extremely manipulative um, and extremely pushy is, is the light way of saying it. Um, that is, <laughs> pushy. Okay. Push is the light, light way of saying it. But um, yeah, borderline people for borderline personality disorder, they can be a lot. They can be, I've, again, I've, I've treated, I've touched just about everything just over the short course of my little career. Girl, um, please stop. Listen, she's being well, very humble, y'all. She is literally like, if, if she wasn't my friend, she'd totally be my therapist. But, <laughs> you know, she's being very humble right now. Don't, don't, don't let this, you know, what she's saying fool you. She's good. Yeah. Okay, so go on. Yeah. But they, they can be like, for example, I had a client once and, you know, we all know therapists is, you know, anywhere from 45 to 60 minute sessions and you do not interrupt the session. Like I'm not going to answer my phone. My friends and family know when I'm at work, there's blocks of time for hours where you will not hear from me. I cannot right. respond to you. It's, it's just understood. So I would have a client that maybe would call me while I was in session with another client. And by the end of the session, I may have eight to 10 voicemails because they felt rejected because i wasn't answering my because phone you were not answering you were not available to them when they needed you so that exactly. is a personal rejection exactly. why are you not answering my call exactly. not considering the fact that you are in a session and you don't answer the exactly. phone during their sessions they're not able to think that far mm -hmm. they couldn't self-soothe enough to say i can leave one voicemail and she will return my call so what do and you do? Like, how are you supposed to react then if you're on the receiving end of eight voicemails? Well, so if you are talking about from a clinical perspective, there's ways of treating borderline personality disorder. And so from a clinical perspective, DBT, dialectical behavioral treatment, is one of the most efficient ways of treating it. So there's treatment for uh, borderline. And they can become more aware so on and so forth. Okay, mm -hmm. fine. In personal lives, I tell people in, in your personal life, you don't have to set somebody else on fire. I mean, you have to set yourself on fire to keep somebody else warm. And yeah. so if something makes you uncomfortable, you just don't have to, you don't have to engage with that person. Don't you can engage. set boundaries. Mm -hmm. You can set boundaries and you stick to your boundaries. And if they don't like it, then, you know, they can deal. But there is no requirement in your life that you have to subject yourself to a person that's treating you that way. It is their responsibility to go get help with it. What if this person is a co-parent or your, um, your child or your stepchild, and then you do have to have some sort of direct interaction with this person? Yeah. You can still yeah. have a relationship, but it's going to be some boundaries. Yeah. What, what does that look like, though? Setting, like, if you suspect a person, and it's easy to suspect you guys, because, you know, we call everybody an empath, a narcissist, and I'm sure after this, y'all are going to be calling people borderlines, yes, too. But don't do that. Like, Please don't do that, guys. Don't <laughs> diagnose. Don't diagnose. The only person here that's qualified to diagnose is Dr. Glenn. And I'm sure there's some, a lot of therapists listening, too. Um, but what is one, like, I know you said clinically, from a clinical point of view, you do DBT. You would make right. them aware of their behavior. Can right. a regular person try that? Like, absolutely not. So I can't be like, hey, you're calling me eight times. I just want you to be aware of your behavior. No, no, no. So yes, yes. And get, not get cussed out. That is setting a boundary. But do not research DBT and call yourself practicing DBT. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> so for the people nice. out there that don't know what DBT looks like, what does DBT look like? Um, dialectical behavioral, it's, it's at the heart of it. The, the quick and dirty version is 
making somebody aware, helping them to sit with their feelings of discomfort and helping them to choose a different course of action. That's the, the nuts and bolts of it. And I'm always leery of going too far down that rabbit hole because no matter mm. how many times I say, do not diagnose, do not purchase DSM, do not research it and try to apply it. We're going to do it anyway. Person. Yeah, do that it feels anyway. like they, they don't. Um, but no, but in your, in your personal life, what it might look like is you set a boundary. Like for example, if it's a co-parent, you set a boundary and this might be the time where you include the third party. So lawyers, courts, um, talking parent, you know, mm. you may need to include a third party for some level of accountability and a layer of protection. Mm. And that gets tricky because I've seen a lot of people that, um, have these high conflict situations mm -hmm. more than likely, you know, just working with attorneys and working with other people and being on teams, we find that that high conflict person has been diagnosed mm -hmm. with something. And mm -hmm. so I also see that they have a tendency to know how to work the court system and finagle the judges and gain sympathy or even drag out a case to where you could have spent $1,500 and now you're up to 20 grand and uh, billable hours because right. they won't let it go. Is there a way to win against these type of people? That's what everybody wants to know, Dr. Glenna. Can, can we win? Can we just crush them? Not physically, but can we, can we just oh, ground them into dust? I can't stand you. <laughs> <laughs> this is what everybody wants to know. I know the people that are listening right now, they're like, oh, yes, not just asking okay. all the questions. How so can we just beat the let me uh, tell you that when it comes to um, when it comes to people with poor boundaries, where they're pushing, 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 boundaries is how you win. Boundaries, and then the old saying, "What am I?" I, I literally live by this: "Living well is the best revenge." So boundaries and live your life. Go to the gym, go work out, drink water, clear your skin up, grow your edges back and come back 10 times better because living well is the best revenge. That's how you win. So you set healthy boundaries. You don't bend. Um, if it's a set amount of money, this is what you're getting. Don't call me. Don't text me asking me for another 1500 because you ain't going to get it. This is what you're getting and you will live with it. And the next time you see me, God dog it, I'm going to be looking fly. So set your boundaries and walk in it. And that's how you win when it comes to boundaries. I'll tell you with narcissists and nobody really likes this part because everybody likes to actively do something. The way that you win yeah. with narcissists is you have to starve them. Starve stop, them. Starve them. You stop talking to them. You stop giving them attention. You stop letting them see any emotion one way or another. It's called mm -hmm. going gray rock. You just completely, you are bland. They say, I mean, I seen your little boyfriend that she was with and you respond, okay. How does it's, that make them feel? They get starved. They feed off of your emotions, good or bad. They'll take your positive attention or your negative attention. But and so if you they call it, they feel like they're winning. Exactly. Mm. They have it. So if you respond, you know, and if they can say something like, you know what, I really miss you. Like, oh my God, I miss you too. They're fed. Or if you're like, oh, I, I saw you, you doing well. And you, oh my God, thank you so much. They, they're fed. Because they're even that makes them feel like, girl, she was, she was in the dumps and I had to, I had to uh, affirm her. That's oh my way. God. What? <laughs> oh, in yeah. the dumps. Oh God. This is like, this is so deep. So starve them say starve nothing them. show them no emotion so then when exactly. you so when i think you know if something is starving it's coming to you to get fed it's coming to get mm -hmm. that supply from you mm -hmm. they're not getting it from you they don't die right they just go elsewhere unfortunately <laughs> i mean but i can't you know god bless the next person but i can't yeah i can't save them all but it's, you, they, you'll get off of you 
how do you as a professional um like when you have narcissistic clients like you said you don't they don't know that they're narcissists do you tell them when you recognize them and you've already diagnosed them or do you just kind of continue treating them treating them in a roundabout way i've only had one in my entire career i've only had one narcissist um oh and and i i'm not gonna lie i had him when i was in the master's program at an internship and i consulted with my supervisor i was like i think he's a narcissist like he has no empathy he thinks this stuff is funny he doesn't i was like and the way that i did it this was the first time it's funny that you bring this up this was the first time that i had to tell a person that they had a diagnosis that was the first time oh, and he was a and it was a and of all Girl. the things to diagnose a person with. Girl. So he was like, You're wrong. You're just a student. You don't know. You're a woman. He didn't he didn't invalidate me immediately. When I was like, the way that I did it, because I ain't gonna front, I was scared. I was like, How do you even approach this? Like, how do you I don't know if we got to this part of the textbook? Like, right. <laughs> but I was like, I was like, hey, I'm just gonna read a little something to you. You let me know if it sounds like you. Oh, <gasps> <laughs> oh god this is like i don't even know that i've been told anybody this y'all getting exclusive right now this is an but, exclusive <laughs> this is god to i'm excited truth. i'm getting okay girl what's the tea spill it <laughs> and he was like he was like he's he's laughing like yeah i kind of do that like, i kind of do that i was like yeah i think you're diagnosed with narcissism and he was like ah whatever like he he blew it off so he, so he heard that from girlfriends or partners before exactly okay exactly but i also i don't remember him engaging much after that he was coming because he was like court ordered to come or something he had to do a certain number of counseling sessions oh, and, and okay. uh, concurrently do some drug counseling and things like that so but yeah i that was how i said it and he kind of just it, laughed it off so you got no mm -hmm. reaction so mm -hmm. I, I would assume that a person like that will go home and fester over it did he try to convince you otherwise did he go and complain no. about you none of that no 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 Narcissists have a sense of entitlement. Um, and again, it's a personality disorder, so they don't always think they're doing anything wrong. So just because you tell me that I have a, a sense of, like a higher sense of self and a sense of entitlement, I should have a sense of entitlement. What do you mean? It's not a bad thing. Oh, so he didn't even really hear it. He didn't hear it in the way that someone like you or I would hear that. We'd be like, we didn't hear it as problematic. <gasps> Dear God. And yeah, again, I, I don't, I don't treat narcissists. I treat their carnage. I treat their victims. Hey. I don't treat narcissists. They so don't the, come to me. Yeah. And I imagine, like you said, he was court ordered. Otherwise, he'd never right. have been on your couch. Never exactly. had. So I guess one of the key pieces of advice that you would give, a, give people that now have to do the cleanup work on themselves because they've been damaged by a disordered personality or someone that suffers from um, a mental illness that's close to them is to find a way to set a boundary in some sort of way. Mm -hmm. Why do people have such a hard time setting boundaries? Girl, that, that's a whole nother podcast episode. Cause it's like, you know, Glenda, we say it all day, set boundaries, set boundaries, set boundaries, but we find ourselves sometimes maybe engaging. We find ourselves um, angry. We find ourselves like, how, how come we can't set boundaries? What is it about us as a whole? Sometimes, it, it, there's that is such a, a layered answer i should say um well give like a 30 second answer <laughs> we don't know what boundaries are that's oh one. well there we you go don't. 
Yeah, we don't know. Well, we don't know what boundaries are. Um, we have trouble managing the emotions that come after we set the boundaries. Um, and then we have some emotional damage where we allow people to blur the boundaries because we have an emotional need that we're trying to get met. We're scared. If, if I say, you know what, you're a guy we've been dating and you're toxic, please don't call me anymore. Now I got to sit and be lonely. Mm, oh, oh, we so we're not always, that. yeah, we're not always prepared to deal with whatever need it was meeting. You know, like if I feel good about loaning everybody money, well, if I say stop asking me for money, well, what now makes me feel good? So sometimes I think you just we, cracked the code. I think you just yeah. solved it because so you can't sit with it. You just solved it. Like, oh my God, I know I'm dating this awful person. Okay, you got to stop talking to him. Like you said, well, where's your love and attention going to come from now? So it's exactly. kind of a twofold thing. So we really need to check ourselves in that case then. Exactly. Ugh. So Dr. Glenna, when we move back over to borderline, dealing with these people that are afraid of rejection, how can you feel rejected from a stranger? Like there's a lot of people that are step parents on here that are listening to this and they might be dealing with like a high conflict biological uh, person from their other household and they feel like all of these attacks are directed at them it's like a personal thing and it's not personal but it feels personal you know when someone's attacking you how could right. you how are you not supposed to take this crap personally though if you know that a person and even if we take away like the the label of a disorder if you can just say this person is toxic you can see them for what they are and then you expect toxic to do what toxic is going to do. Bloop. You don't expect toxic to be healthy. It's like, dude, that's, that's how she is. So if you can look at it from that perspective, that's, that's how he is. He all right until y'all start talking about money and all of a sudden he flip out. That's, that's who he is. That's how he is. That's so there's no I'm more surprises. You expect it. So essentially the change should come from within us. And we probably do need to kind of explore. Cause like you said, you deal with people that are victims of narcissistic abuse. That means this narcissist has done a number on this person's psyche, on their self image. Correct. Um, and now you're the person that has to come in and connect the dots. Is, Correct. is everybody susceptible to narcissistic abuse or is there a certain type of person that's just too strong to even be damaged by that crap? Besides okay. another narcissist. Twofold, twofold. Yes, yes. Even the strongest, yes. And I'll tell you, <clears throat> narcissists go after the strongest. Oh. Narcissists go after the people that seem to be the strongest. They date up. They tend to have their stuff together. They're like, oh my gosh, she's a boss. That's how you hear it. But it's like, well, how, how of her, of all people, could she have gotten involved with that? Because they are manipulative and that's mm. what they want. And so, yes, there are some people that are more susceptible, but it's not, it's not like, it's not like a prototype, right? Okay. And so it's, if there's anybody who has any underlying like need for attention or you don't set boundaries in dating, um, like one of the, the biggest things that narcissists will do is love bombing. So they'll come in, lay it on thick, all of a sudden, within two weeks to a month, he's so in love with you. You the best thing she ever met. Just love mm -hmm. bomb. You know, I always say any grown man, or you, gotta, you can sit up and text me and, and tell me I'm the sun and the moon and the stars all day long. Something is wrong. Any grown man I'm dealing with. Where you do you work at if you texting me all day? Why are you texting your kids? Are you texting your Bank of America account? Like, don't text me. <laughs> I, why do you have this much time? Because like you but said, they're, they're focusing on you. 
exactly. It's love bombing. And so, but in the beginning, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, say you got a high powered woman that's, she's doing it, you know, she yes. got all these things going for herself. And finally it's like, wow, I finally met a man that understands me and he gets me and he connects with me. You know, I'm great. Now, thank you, God, all the pieces are connected. So there's that. And then you could have somebody that really don't have a whole, whole lot going on, but they just have a need to be loved. So there isn't a prototype. But for that narcissist, they can kind of see who is susceptible. And they, they can sniff it out. And once they have their eye on you, it's up to you to kind of be like, you know what? No. That's exactly. so difficult, though. I wish they would teach us how to recognize these behave these predatory behaviors when we're younger. You know, this I, I will say, I will say this. If you, if you, when it comes to dating, if you can't think of nothing else, create, cause I tell my clients this, create, um, somewhat of a timeline and it doesn't have to be attached to numbers. It doesn't have to be one day, three weeks, or anything like that, but create a timeline for dating and say, what are you comfortable with in dating? So if I meet somebody, um, well, do I want to go out that night? No, no. Before I go out with you, I want to have a couple of conversations. Okay. I want to have a conversation with you. I want to, I want to see what you're about, right? Because I'm quirky. Everybody knows I like weird stuff. I like Maleficent, Harry Potter. So I need to know. <laughs> I'm on some hood stuff. Don't get me wrong. You play some snooping, I'm going to go in. But I'm also on some nerdy stuff. So I want right. to have a couple of conversations to make sure to that we are right. aligned. Right. Exactly. And so, okay, we have a couple of conversations. And then we go out on a date. Do not let the date go on and on and on. Go out on a date for a couple of hours and go home. Mm. Don't sit in the car and say, we just talked until the sun came up. Girl, take your butt home. Or sir, go home. Go home. Just set, set boundaries. A couple hours and that's it. You know, but little things like that, it, it, it weeds out people that are trying to love bomb you. Because if he's like, oh, let's keep going. Let's do this. Let's go back. Now you can't tell if you guys are just vibing or if they're trying to love bomb. Wait, why do they love bomb? Are they trying to just do everything at once so they can get their hooks in you? Or do they, are they afraid that this person is going to see what I really am and I don't have a lot to offer, so let me lay it on thick right now? Both. Love bombing actually creates an artificial sense of bond and attachment. It, over, it releases the oxytocin, which is the bonding hormone in your system. It mm. releases it at a much faster rate. And so you believe that you've been artificially um, tapped into in a way that it makes you believe that you are now bonded to this person prematurely. And don't let you start bumping uglies early, honey. You oh, don't stand yes. a chance. Because that's, I mean, again, so again, some of the things that they do very early on is they, they talk about sex, they engage in sex very early. I'm just so attracted. I just can't keep my hands off of you. And then early in the relationship, anywhere from three to six months, they start talking about permanency type things. We should move in together. What about kids and credit and trying to borrow large sums of money? Like, like there's permanent type things where they're trying to get their hooks into you mm. um, relatively early. But if you, if you say like, no, I need to hang out with him for about a month, you know, before anything happens or just, and, and again, I don't like to give numbers in terms of timeline because I yeah. think each person needs to decide, you know, you could not sleep with somebody for a year or you could sleep with them on the first date. Like that in and of itself isn't always indicative. That's not an indication. Of right. Exactly. Exactly. And so I don't, I don't want to do people like that. That's why I say you need to create it for yourself, but you need to have some standards. If you're like, Hey, 
I don't, I don't have sex with nobody before we go on a date or, or I need to, I know we in, you know, quarantine right now, but, uh, it's picnic blankets all over the place. So right. we need to go outside. A lot of grass out there, guys. It's summertime. A whole you know? lot of grass and fresh air. So, right. you know, but you got to set a standard for yourself so that that's one of the ways that you can weed out some of these manipulative behaviors. Mm. And so if you are a person that has not weeded out and you let that oxytocin get to you and you started bumping uglies and you find yourself um, in a pickle now, you can always call Dr. Glenna if you are truly ready to make a change. You know, once a narcissist has finished doing their business all over you and all over your life, then you're, you're probably going to need some help to come out of that. Because a lot of people are so focused on, especially some of my clients, because I help people that are in high conflict co-parenting or step-parenting situations. And mm -hmm. one of the things that I find that they have a difficult time dealing with is just understanding. The Last week on my podcast, I made the example of every time you engage with a high conflict person, it's like you are jumping in that pig pen and you are rolling around in their slop and their funk and they're having a great time because pigs live in pig pens. But here right. you know a person that is not accustomed to living in toxicity and chaos and havoc. You jump in there and now you're all out of sorts. Right. And then they're still fine. They're perfectly okay. I find right. that people want the toxic people in their lives to hurt like they've hurt them. Yes. What can you say to these people that want, they want them to suffer like they've made them suffer? Are these toxic mm -hmm. people really even suffering on the same level? First and foremost. You know what? You know what? Yes. Mm. Yes, they are. Yes. Mm. Yes, they are. They're for somebody to be toxic they're hurting they're hurting but here's the funny part i don't treat them <laughs> so, <laughs> so we ain't overly concerned if you toxic and you want help call me outside of that i can't be overly concerned about their feelings but if you are a person that's dealing with a toxic person and i i understand that desire to be like oh i just want to hurt you like you said hurt you like you hurt yeah. me that's when you need to focus on your healing. Mm. First things first. Like before Thanks. you worried about the other person. Because if you, if you think about it, like imagine like you've had an old boyfriend or an old girlfriend from high school, college, or whenever, five years ago, whatever, and they did you wrong. And now you can talk about it and be like, yeah, he cheated on me when we was in the dorms, but I ain't even tripping. Right? right because you're healed and you've moved past it and it doesn't matter what he did or how ugly it was or how much he embarrassed you it doesn't matter like you right. know what it life happens. has gone on you have progressed so much beyond that little girl and boy that you were in the dorm mm -hmm. exactly and so you know and you know now we grown you know what i mean and so the stakes are higher and like you said we're talking about high conflict co-parenting situations yeah. so i understand that like the the depth of the pain and the trajectory of where it's going especially if you, if you have young kids it's like i can't get away from this person immediately so i understand yeah. that the stakes are a bit higher but the resolve is the same you have to resolve that i need to heal i need to take care of myself i have to take my focus off of that person and i need to do <clears throat> what i need to do i need to go pray i need to go listen to podcasts read some books Meditate, take care of whatever yourself. it is focus on you Right. Focusing all on yourself and bettering yourself and bringing yourself up. When we are so um, dead set on seeing another person hurt, you, you're going to get some of the blowback. If you go and try to throw a bomb at someone's house, it's going to explode and it's going to hit you too. That's one thing that I think a lot of people that are focused on making sure the other person is hurting. That's what happens to them. And Dr. Glenna just confirmed to us that if they act like this towards you or your spouse or 
um, their co-parent or, or whomever, they are already hurting. There's nothing you can do to hurt them more than they already are. There's nothing you can personally say to grind this person to dust. They're already doing it. They're literally living in it. And so, and I know this probably is not what a lot of you wanted to hear. You wanted to, try to probably hear, number one, in order to hurt them, say this. Honey, they've already heard it. They heard <laughs> it from their mama, from their grandma. They heard it already. Exactly. And remember, living well is the best revenge. Mm. So when you pop out unscathed, trust me, they're like, ah. I did that. I messed up her credit. You know, I, I got him fired. Like, oh, yeah, no. But when you're like, oh, thanks for getting me fired because I don't want to work that job. No way. I make twice mm. as much over here. Leveled up. I mm. leveled up. Level. Okay, so level up. And a lot of people, I think they might want to take the easier way. Oh, how do I hurt them? Because leveling, leveling up is hard because now you really do have to focus on yourself and challenge yourself. Exactly. You really do. Exactly. At one point, you know, in the beginning of my our relationship, Tony, you know, I was like, every time he gets a phone call, like, from a, uh, you know, conflicted situation, I'm going to go to the gym. I think in four months, I had a six pack. <laughs> I had, <laughs> friend, straight up. I, I might have to go find some pictures. Like, Miss Naja had a six pack, y'all. Um, but that was a reflection of what was happening in my life at the time. Instead right. of me sitting there focusing on something that was way beyond my control, a mess that I had no hand in creating, I was like, Naja, what can you do to challenge yourself? And it was hard. That right. was, you know, I saw the physical manifestation of me making a change, but you know, a lot of us can, can do that. I don't have the six pack anymore. You know, life is pretty cool now. I got a little beer belly right now. You know? Yes. <laughs> but, yes. So Dr. Glenna, tell us what you have going on before we go. What's, what's going on right now? What are you, where can we find you? Um, I know you have planners that are coming soon or are they already here now? Tell us what you got going on. So right now, all of my irons are pretty much in the fire, but every single Wednesday, I still do the happy hour at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. It is a 60-minute psychoeducation webinar. It is completely free. It will always be completely free. If you work, if you're busy, that's okay. Register one time and then you will get an email with all the replays. Okay, so you'll get. Oh my God! So first of all, y'all, I've attended day. a few of them. They are they are literally the bomb. Dr. Glenna talks mm -hmm. to us um, on her own webinar, just like she's talking to us right now. How do you find the webinar? If you go to my Instagram at Dr. Glenna L C S W at D R G L E N N A L C S W on Facebook Damn, and on hold Instagram. On, that's a lot. Hold on, wait. Let me write that down. <laughs> wait, oh it's my God! At Dr. Glenna L C S W. Yes. Okay. At Dr. Glenna, licensed clinical social worker. Got it. Yes. So if you go to my Instagram, you can click the link in my bio. You can register there. You can go to the website, drglenna.com, and you can register there. Um, the replays are free for five days. And then after that, they go into a vault. You can go in and you can purchase, it's probably, I don't know, 15 to 20 or something like that, different topics that we've done at this point. We've done boundaries. We've done um, emotional intelligence. We've done narcissism. So yeah. That is there. And then the 2021 planners I'm working on. Um, I have my stationary line that I'm working on, the sweatshirts and the hoodies. All will be available in the fall. So, just so we can just go to Dr. Glenna to get, basically that's your hub. We can go there to find all things Dr. Glenna. You all, when I say that I cannot support and endorse her and sing her praises enough um hopefully you see what i'm talking about now at the end at the beginning i know i was like dr glenna this doctor like you see why now she's the bomb and you see why she's a friend and colleague and such an amazing therapist she can literally put the very difficult things in simplistic simplistic terms and help us 
figure out figure out this thing called life. Figure it all out. I thank you so much, Dr. Glenna. You gotta come back. And guys, when you sign up for her webinar, make sure you tell her Naja sent you. You know, give her a shout out or you know, just let her know that um, you know, you heard her on I Know I'm Crazy. Or she, you know she's Naja's friend and now she's your friend because y'all know we share friends. So yeah, oh, for sure. make sure you do that. <laughs> thank you, Dr. Glenna. DrGlenda.com, so guys. DrGlenda.com. And I'll see you all uh, Tuesday afternoon. I know I'm crazy. I know I'm crazy. I know I'm doing crazy. I know I'm crazy. Naja Hall.